Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one, and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only. I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. I am a myofascial release therapist and coach to myofascial release therapists, and I help therapists to create a lot of money in their businesses without working harder and without the stress of not knowing what to do and how to grow your business into what you want it to become. Today, I have Rini Allen on. She is an MFR therapist, creator of all things myofascial self-care, which is a six-week digital course, and the owner of Still Point Myofascial Release. So Rini, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Heather. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is so fun. So we've actually never met in person, but I follow you on social media. Likewise. (laughs) And we have chatted before. Um, I was really interested in talking to you because I think it's so fun that you've created this digital course. It's a six-week digital course that you have opened up like various times during the year, right? So far, that's the way that it is going. It's kind of my COVID project. And so how I've been running it so far throughout 2021 has been in container between a start point and an end point for six weeks. So the whole group goes through it at the same time. Fun. Is it mainly like other therapists that are taking this course or is it like therapists and patients? Like who is it for? It is for therapists or patients either. The one of the really fun things about this is that I have had participants from all across the United States of people that I don't even know and bringing myofascial release and myofascial self-care outside of my little corner of Maine has really been a fun way for me to share what I know and what I believe to be true about helping people learn to help themselves through the principles and practice of myofascial self-care. That's awesome. So let's go back in time a little bit. COVID was happening. I'm assuming your business was shut down for a period of time like everybody else's. What were you thinking that helped to create this program that you now have? So I know that you know that I have a yurt that is my studio, my office where Mm -hmm. the myofascial magic happens. And outside of my one-on-one practice, I also have been doing for the past five and a half years or so, small group classes teaching myofascial self-care. And the idea of the course was an extension of the self-care classes that had already been becoming their own thing over the past five years. And you know, pretty quickly, Zoom became the hot topic on everyone's mind. And 
I remember being in the yurt with my teenage daughter and we would just be cracking up trying to record different videos and she would try to get me set up in the right view in the screen and all of that. And we would just be cracking up ridiculously take after take after take of trying to find something meaningful and relevant to say. Mm -hmm. And it was born out of that. Live Zoom classes quickly became a thing. And then off the live Zoom classes, I started to gain a little more understanding of what people really were benefiting from, what kind of techniques people were benefiting from through this newfound communication system that we were all just kind of head deep in at the time. I love that so much. I can totally relate to that, like making lives, like Facebook lives. I think I started doing that right away too when I was closed down and I was like doing all these stretches in my home and my home was under literal construction. Like we were living in the basement. We were cooking on a like one burner in the stove or in the, in the garage and And yeah, and then here's me with like a ball on the floor and like construction dust everywhere. And I'm like, and then if you're having low back pain, try this, you know, so every day I would do another stretch or whatever to help my clients. I was totally awkward and didn't really think that I could ever talk to people through that media in a very effective way. I think I even started a group, but that I didn't really understand how any of it worked. So, but my, how times have changed, right? It's a year later <laughs> it's and crazy. now you have this course that's like very polished and like ready to go when you have it open for people to sign up. So how did you go from joking around with your daughter in the yurt and like trying to kind of do these like piecemeal, like, here you go, clients, let's, <laughs> let's stay healthy. I don't know when I'm going to see you again to full blown, like, this is a course people can buy now, like people know about it. It's something that people are looking forward to when you open the doors again. Like, how do you go from A to B? One of the biggest pieces of things coming to fruition that I believe are necessary is taking action. (laughs) And I was pretty determined as a Single mom and a single practitioner in my business, resilience, it's not really up for negotiation. And I spent a lot of time in the yurt and I have a ridiculous amount of videos of me going, ah, that's not good. Ah, that's not good. I can't use that again. And these Zoom classes, and I just kept going. I just kept going. Yeah. It's kind of like when, Let's relate this to newbie MFR therapists. They go and they take a seminar, right? I mean, there's so much information you learn in 20 hours with John, especially. And then you leave and you go home and you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that, right? So I think a lot of therapists get in their heads because they aren't exactly sure how to do it right. And I'm doing that in quotation marks because who even decides what's right or wrong anyway? But Because of the needing to get it right, sometimes people just quit or they wait to get it right. And you found a way to overcome that. You were willing to get it wrong enough times and like increase your reps, increase your confidence to get it what you would call right. Right. Which I think usually just means more polished. (laughs) 
yeah, more polished at the time. I was definitely using the online resources to try to find the answers of how you put these things together. Like there's got to be a way. And I've, you know, over the years, I've taken a lot of online, I can't say a lot of online business courses, but enough to know the names of the heavy hitters that are out there. Yeah. And the right email hit my inbox of a woman who was putting together a digital course on how to put together a digital course. And I was just like, this is exactly what I was asking for. That's exactly what I was asking for. And so it's the taking action. I feel like the action taking is huge. You can't skip that step. Even as a newbie MFR therapist, you got to get it wrong. You got to ask your patients and clients for feedback. Like, how does this feel? Mm -hmm. If they're not feeling something, you know, it's either a chance to educate them or it's a chance to hone your skill. Like not being afraid to hear that you may or may not be doing it right. That's gold. Like that's not something to shy away from. That's the stuff that you have a chance to like really go deeper in your skill set, go deeper in your the rapport with your clients and how to deepen that connection with what happens on the table. So not being afraid to ask for feedback, not being afraid to mess it up and within limits, of course, when we're talking about doing hands-on work, you don't want to, you have to follow the principles. That's not what I'm saying, but being able to take a couple of risks and allow yourself to mess up and to be like, Ooh, shoot, maybe I'll do that better next time. Yeah. Like I like to call it like be willing to feel any feeling that comes up for you, whatever it is that's keeping you stuck. And also be willing to feel super dumb. Be willing to be annoying. Be willing to have someone say, I don't like what you did or, you know, whatever it is, because if you're willing to experience that and not make it mean anything about you, all it does is help you go, oh, okay. So what I like to teach my clients how to do this evaluation. All my clients are therapists, like just like you. So, <laughs> so you can you can apply this too for <laughs> anyone listening. So you do an evaluation where in any situation it can be whether you're just interacting with a client or whatever. Usually it's a client interaction where you you look at what went well in that interaction. And the reason why it's important to pick out what went well is because most of us always go into the next step, which is what didn't go well. And we dwell there and we miss all of the things that went well, right? And then we just beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up. And that beating ourselves up is usually the part where people decide not to take risks because, or not to set big goals because of what they're going to do themselves if they don't make it. And that's really sad because you can decide not to beat yourself up in any situation, no matter how big the risk is. So after the what went well and the what didn't go well, then you have what would you do differently next time? And that is the evaluation criteria. I think that, you know, it's the thousands of dollars difference between therapists who never look into what could go different, what they do differently and make a change right then. They have to make the mistake a thousand times before they're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. (laughs) Right. It's like... Just evaluate it. Be willing to be wrong. Be willing to feel all the feelings where you're like, God, I'm so stupid. Like, what is wrong with, why can't I get this right? All of the things and don't make it mean anything about you. And then you just keep 
trying new forms of it or whatever you're doing. Or like when I said this to my client, they totally shut down. So maybe I could say it this different way. I don't have to say it in the same sentence. You know, in this online world, which I find myself navigating right now, there's a lot of the same business principles that apply to just doing business in general. Yeah. But one thing that I have really come to value is the way that the online marketing coaches or you know people that have been around the block the, the people that I'm following that really have this online thing down what they say is once you put something out for people to view or to buy whether it's a, a free service or like a free Facebook live or paid content material like paid coaching or a paid course whatever the case may be once you put that product out there that feedback that you get is what is going to guide your next iteration of it. And I just want to bring that back to if you want to apply that to your hands-on practice, that feedback that you get from your client is so incredibly valuable. That's what polishes you as a therapist. Mm -hmm. So getting that feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, getting that feedback in other markets and other ways of doing business, you're constantly being reminded to seek that feedback. We're not so constantly reminded to seek that feedback. Maybe it's because it's a one-on-one -on -one situation and you want to be valued as an expert and as someone who's made a positive difference. Mm -hmm. When you put that aside, right, and you see this as a chance to hone your relationship skills as a therapist and hone your technical skills and to hone your business chops and being able to set your treatment plan with your clients or patients. All of that comes from the feedback that you receive from the people that you've been working with. So don't shy away from that. Yeah. Don't it's shy like away major, from that. It's a major data point, right? It Just is. like knowing your financial numbers and knowing your rent, like knowing all your data. And you don't want to groom your people to tell you, oh, it was great and I felt good. You don't want to groom them for that. You don't want to ask the questions in such a way that doesn't let... Yeah, leave I, space for them. Yeah, you. like you want to let them let you know if you've crashed and burned. Like you want to know the nitty gritty details so you can better serve them as a therapist, this isn't about, I make everybody feel better. Well, exactly. And that's, I think too, so important as in establishing your role, you know, therapist, patient, it's like, patients are not coming to you for you to heal them, right? Not at all. They have everything, like the patient is totally whole and, and capable of healing, even without our help, honestly, like that's within them. We are offering to assist in their healing, to bring it on faster, to bring it on deeper, and to bring it on in a way that maybe they wouldn't have that opportunity if they didn't hire us as their therapist. We're not fixing people. And I think when you get into that relationship of like, you come here, I fix you, you leave, you good, you know, <laughs> versus you're coming here seeking a partnership to go on a journey together 
that's going to be amazing. And also sometimes it's going to be totally sucky, but let's go on it together. And the more that there's that rapport and that relationship and that ability to dialogue when it does get sucky, you're not taking the blows like you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And you're also there to help guide them through the suck because we all go through it. Yeah. And you're just kind of like a stable tree in the wind, right? Like the wind will blow you. Your branches are going to go with the wind. They're not going to just all snap off, right? So you're the tree, the patient comes to you and they're like, I don't like how I feel. Instead of losing all your leaves and all your branches, because you're losing your shit, basically. Right. Just, you know, you're just like, yeah, this is just what happens. This is just part of what happens in your journey. That is like the silliest metaphor. But anyway, like I'm just... (laughs) Imagining, you know, like a tree with wind coming through. How many windstorms can you battle without losing your branches? Like a lot. And you don't, not everything, the words the client is saying to you have to become an emergency. They're right. just, they just have a lot of thoughts about what's going on. They have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. As they should. It's their experience. Exactly. And you're here to believe ahead of time for them about what is possible for them if they continue with treatment. Yes. For sure. So what advice would you give to therapists, young and old, seasoned and unseasoned, that you've learned through your myofascial release journey as a therapist? Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in charge here. (laughs) That's such an open-ended question. All right. I will give a bit of advice that is for myself included. Okay. How's that? Sounds perfect. So some advice that I would give to a seasoned or um, newbie therapist is to really trust your gut. And that is so much easier said than done. And it sounds kind of cliche, but in business, there can be a lot of emotional attachment around money Mm -hmm. that comes into play. You know, the bottom line that may have more influence than your gut and your intuition. And I would say to really allow yourself to have a practice within the quiets of your, of your mind to allow you to navigate the hurdles of a business owner, not just coming from a place of dollars and cents, but from a place of, is this really my definition of success? Is this really what makes sense for the whole of me, not just for my practice, but for what makes sense for you in your personal life and your family life as well? And to continue to deepen your intuitive sense and how to really rely on getting accurate information and messages from within your own guidance. And we know how to do that as MFR therapists. It's by, you know, staying in your body and keeping your fascial system in a way that is openly communicative. I mean, I could go on and on about, I didn't mean to just like totally segue into myofascial self-care. That's not my point here, but I do believe that following your inner guidance instead of following the dollar signs or somebody else's idea of success is that's my answer. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like I would just add, like 
answer those questions. Like, like this is for the people listening. Like, what is your idea of success? And is it true? How How is that idea serving you? How is it not serving you? And what other data points do you need to collect to understand how to make that happen for you, for your success? Because really like success to me is at the end of the day, helping a lot of people, you know, like I want to help a hundred MFR therapists in my coaching practice in this next year. But if I don't hit a hundred, like that doesn't make me not successful. Like I'm just enjoying the journey. So that right there is in my top level of like success. Are you enjoying this? How does my body feel while I'm doing all this work, right? Especially as a hands-on therapist. And thirdly, what is my legacy? How do I make other people feel? That's important to me, right? Like if I walk into a room and everybody's like, ew, right? If that's a response, like I've got some work to do. Right. I want people to feel the love and the expansion and the calmness of you can have a big life, like a big business where you are kicking ass, whatever that means to you. And you can also like outside of that, be a nice person who loves heavily and is involved in their life. They're not just a passenger on the bus in their life. Like they're involved in it. Like they're driving the bus. Yes. Yeah. And somewhere in listening to you speak, the word integrity came to mind, right? Like if you walk into a room and people go, Ugh, there's a good chance you might not be working from a place of integrity. Or is it where we're like, we're just triggering people because they need to grow too, right? And there's that, you know, that, I mean, gosh, (laughs) you can explore both sides of those coins at nauseum, right? I mean, there's always a chance to kind of keep the peace and keep harmony with yourself and with others. And the idea of not being secure enough in your own skin where you don't really want to trigger people, but then you don't want to be so passive that, you know, there's that you can always ride those lines between being too much and and not being enough. And I do feel like finding your, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but kind of finding your zone of genius, Yeah. right? About how you approach your clients and your patients, right? I mean, I don't want to like name names, but we know in the world of MFR that like, if you go in for a treatment with X, Y, or Z, like it could be that push that you need, you know, you're going to come out of there crying because it just was triggering. And and the dialoguing was just on the verge of being a little like, God, was that, you know, was that necessary? Um, But it gets you to where you need to be, right? Like there are those therapists that fill those shoes that can be the trigger. And then there's those therapists that you walk in and you know, you're going to be, I mean, not necessarily like literally cradled, but your emotions are going to be tended to, they're going to be soothed and nurtured. Right. And so you see different therapists and you get a whole different array of what someone's kind of underlying theme is. And it's not like the nurturing therapist can't trigger and it's not like the triggering therapist can't nurture, but we have our strengths. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of feel like finding your zone of genius where you can be fairly consistent in how you show up for your patients and clients. 
doesn't necessarily mean that you're a passive therapist and it doesn't necessarily mean you're a triggering therapist, but you've got your lane, right? And I know that my lane as a therapist is different than somebody else's lane who might be a little more, I don't know, assertive isn't the right word, but do you get what I'm saying here, Heather? Yeah, like, what I always like to say, because some people like to have so much control over how their treatment is going to go, right? Like, especially with pressures and like, I mean, you've seen this in seminars where you're, you're pairing up and you like purposely don't pair up with someone because you don't like how they treat, right? Or like, it's right. not going to be good enough. So my right. overall <laughs> stance on that is you can get exactly what you need and what you came for out of any treatment, even if the therapist is barely touching you. Right. And there's no such thing as a terrible treatment because if you're sitting there judging the therapist treating you, you are not getting the treatment that you could get if you were in your body and just experiencing and allowing for those feelings to come up, right? Like it's totally fine too. Like when that happens, there's no right or wrong. There's no like this therapist is the best because there could be 10 therapists in the room and everybody could think one is the best. And then you could go treated by them and be like, that's not what I was. Not it for me. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it, it literally doesn't matter. That's why you can have a brand new therapist hot off the MFR one press and they are out treating everybody else. Yes. Cause they just decided it's like not a problem. Right. Like when people are in that purity, that like nothing has tainted them yet. They're just doing what they just learned in MFR one. Like it's right. the most beautiful. Like, I just love it. I like to bask in their, like, they don't know too much. They don't know too little. Like they're just in like this little bubble of, ready to go And it's like that place, there is a purity to that. And there is a sense of genuine love that comes yeah. from that place. Because, you know, when you first see the MFR lights, I mean, it's like the world around you just goes, bing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that feels like love too, right? Exactly. Like, you know, how much do you feel loved when you are with other MFR therapists, like going through one of those experiences? Like I would say overwhelmingly it's love. That's exactly it. And so this kind of brings the whole point back around. So if you're working from your zone of genius, that's within your comfort level, you know, not that you don't bump against the guardrails on either side of your zone, but when you can work in that zone, you can come from a place of integrity. You can come from a place of love and you can come from a place of really wanting that person's best interest where you're not counting the dollars that you're making. You're not looking at the clock and going, okay, cool. Two more. And then I've got, let's see, what does that equal? Uh, 520 bucks for the, you know what I mean? Like you're not counting your numbers. And so when you're working from your zone of genius, when you're working from your, the place where your intuition kind of guides your practice, you're working in a way that sets you up for the work to be pure. Yeah. When you're having fun. And even if you do slip into like, okay, I need five more sessions to pay my rent or whatever. That shit is real. Yeah. Like noticing like that's where your brain goes. And then just like having a lot of love for yourself and like loving yourself through those moments and not making it mean that somehow you're then like not worthy to treat people or whatever, because you can have both. And most of us do. 
right? right? You can want to earn a lot of money and still be a fantastically integral therapist, right? Like, I, I don't feel like it's the same thing, but you are going to treat different when you are not thinking about your rent while you're treating than if you're like worried about buying milk and bread. Right. right. Totally. If you're just treating just to be in the experience of the treatment, like what you're saying, like you're in, like you are centered, you are, you are there for that patient. It's totally beautiful. And we know the difference. Like you can feel the difference when you're totally like, feel the difference. Yeah, and you can also be having like the shittiest family drama or whatever going on or a personal injury or whatever. And if you need to, you can still treat a thousand percent and have the best treatments, even when you feel miserable yourself. I'm not treating right now. I'll just say that for full disclosure. I'm not, I have not treated since March of 2020, Mm -hmm. but though treating from those places of being really raw as a therapist, like from a personal perspective, man, those are some of the most powerful treatments. There is nothing but energy that vibrates through. And I feel like when the therapist, I can only speak for myself, but when I've come into the treatment room from those places of intensity and rawness in my personal life and having to show up for someone else, it's just like the fascial system shines yeah. to take care of all parties involved. Yeah. The more human you show up to connect with another human, one million percent, the better it always is, right? And Agreed. I think when we put space between our humanness and someone else's humanness, be, be it like perfectionism or ego or low thoughts about ourselves, like it just decreases that connection, that humaning connection. So I love it when people can just be like, everything that's going on with me today is like not a problem. I want to make it a big problem, but it's like literally not like I'm a human. I'm humaning today. <laughs> I'm humaning today. Yeah. You know, that's a good place when you're afraid to ask for feedback or you're not liking what someone says, you know, meeting them on that human level, really, it kind of takes the sting out of some things. It can. Yeah. And also like whatever someone's saying to you, it's like literally just their thoughts. It doesn't right. mean it's like. It just becomes a circumstance in your own model. Like people that coach with me will understand what that means. It's just neutral until you also have a thought about it. Right. And then that's going to make you feel a certain way. <laughs> so you you have so much choice in how you want to think about things that are happening in your world. They don't just happen to us. We get to happen to them. And we do have thoughts and they can be hindrances and thoughts can get in our way for sure. And I come back around a lot to the action steps, right? If you you can have the, the woe is me thoughts and the I suck thoughts and all of that, but if you can still be all right with taking some action steps, you're gonna, you're gonna, what if you can clean up your thoughts so that what you're taking action from is even cleaner? That's a really good point, Heather, because I think in you pointing that out, that step is kind of inherently happens in my mind, right? Like I need to fix the thoughts before I take an action step. And I think that that's something that for me in my process, 
what you just pointed out kind of goes on autopilot for me. Like I do clean up the thoughts around it, but until I just heard you say that, can you repeat? That's really important. Yeah. So for me, I teach everybody that I coach with that your thoughts actually create your results. It's not even about the action step, but we all have to take actions, like move forward to get things done. If you can come from a clean place, like even if you're in pain, but you're coming from really clean pain, you're in pain, but it's very clean. Like you're, you know why you're in pain based on what you're thinking. Dots create a feeling. You're feeling, you're going to do all your actions from your feelings and then you're going to get your result. So clean up your thoughts always, because that's what you're creating your action out of. You'll know the difference because hustly action does not come from clean thoughts and you are exhausted, you're resentful, and you're not actually getting to what you want. Like you're indecisive, it's taking longer. And so I am going to bring this back around here. This is not an unintentional segue like the last one was, but this is exactly why I like to start my day on the mat with a roller and ball because if I wake up a little sideways and I wake up, you know, with a hungover from my thoughts from the day before and I say hungover, that's just a word I use. No, I think that's a great, like a great thing to, I haven't, I haven't had a drink in like 13 years. So I'm talking about like hungover from your thoughts from Uh the day before, from the heaviness or whatever you're processing at night, I do most mornings. I can't say all because I'll just not reality. Oh, because you're most mornings. (laughs) I do get up and go right to the mat. I go from the floor to the mat or from the bed to the floor where the mat is. And I feel like from there, I can take my next steps throughout the day. Not so tangled from yeah. from you the just day before it through your body right like the body and mind wake up together it's my f- most favorite time yeah. to self treat it's my most guaranteed time that i will fit it in mm-hmm. and i do feel like having that regular morning routine of myofascial self care for like years now years i've been doing this it really does keep me in a more balanced check. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important for all of us as therapists, whether we are practicing or not, or what, whatever we're doing, seeing millions of patients a year, whatever, whatever it is. (laughs) Self-care, myofascial self-care is so important, whether you're actually self-treating or you're going and getting other hands on you or multiple hands on you. And it can't just be at seminars. Like we have to expand beyond, I only get care when I go to a seminar. Right. And the moment you agree to that and you start to seek out care for yourself, whether it is like through a program of yours or signing up with another therapist for treatment, you've just expanded your potential for how you can then treat your patients too, because therapists that are treating themselves or getting treated are exponentially better than the therapist that only gets treatment at seminars. It's just true. It's true. And one of the main reasons that that is so true is because so much about receiving myofascial release is knowing 
how to interpret that sensation, knowing how to feel that sensation, being aware that subtle and nuanced sensation can be completely missed if you're not in tuned on what to feel for. And so whether it's through myofascial self-care or somebody else's hands on your body, being able to put that sensation into words for your client or patient is like that saves them so much time, yeah. right? We've been blessed to be in front of John. Yes. Whether you've been in front of John for three days or for, you know, 53 years, it doesn't matter how long you've been in front of John to know that you've had some sort of experience of like more than just your client or patient who walks in and they only see you yeah. being in that room with John Barnes is something that I feel like as therapists, we sometimes forget those experiences that we've had in the seminar room with all of these other people willing to dive into their shit and cry uncontrollably and make noises that surprise themselves and Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and to share things that you would never in a million years share in front of a room full of like friends and strangers. And we've had these experiences, whether we've, you know, really embraced it to the fullest or just witnessed somebody else do it. And so when somebody walks into your office and all they see is you, right? Like they don't even have three days of that kind of experience under their belt to know what is possible. So it's our job to educate them on the what might feel like a two by four hit over the head or might feel like the slightest energetic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like the more that you understand how to convey the sensations of the fascial system, the more you're going to be in service to your people. Yeah. And the more you just like show up. And as John says, like your only job is really to walk into the room. Right. You know, people want a protocol, but he always says you just walk into the room. And the more we can keep it like that simple, like what you're saying too is very simple, like educating on the subtlety and educating on what is possible and also like keep it simple because it really is like less words, more feeling. My eyes get hot when I think about how lucky we are that John is like still in the world teaching full time. And that we can experience that whenever we want, even after a year off with COVID, like, you know, like he's still going and we all have that opportunity. And the more exposure to that, the more we can just be in front of his brain (laughs) is like, it's so fun. It's worth every dollar, worth every hour spent. I think I look back at this a lot. It's just kind of how my brain works, but like looking back and this is never anything that I've heard John say or teach. It's just my own wonderings. But like when he put this together, I can't imagine that he envisioned (laughs) where it all is, right? So if you're ever on the fence thinking, oh, I need more education or I need that next seminar or I'll do it when I'm more confident in an arm pull, like you can bet all the money that John wasn't like, I'm going to wait until I feel more confident in that arm pull. I'm going to need some evidence-based proof that this arm pull can create da 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 yeah. 
I mean, imagine what our world would be like. And this is the difference between people that have successful programs and that are thought leaders and leaders in any industry. Innovators, exactly. They just have an idea and they're willing to put it out with like D minus C plus work or B minus C plus work, whatever. And let it ride. Like I'm sure say, I'm just speaking from my own experience, but I'm sure like six digital courses from now, your digital course is going to be completely different than the very first one you put out. For me, my very first book has so many typos in it. And like, I mean, people have even contacted me about it. And I just think that's so funny. Like at least they're reading it. Right. Right, Totally. I don't make it mean anything about me not being a prolific writer for my little, have your own mile fashion business guide. Right. Like it literally doesn't matter if I sat on that and had to edit it too much to be perfect, it still would be on my desk. And it does nobody any service to be on my desk, just like no. your videos and your live teachings do no do no good if it just sits on your computer. And if John never started talking about what was possible and what he was what he could create with his ideas and his thoughts and his methods, then what would we be talking about? Right. Like I don't even know what my life would be like. So I'm just so thankful for the people like you and me, like John, that are willing to like put their baby out into the world and be like, this is my baby. I think it's beautiful. Like we just agree that it's fine enough for the world. Right. It's fine enough for the world. And I've learned in a different way this year in in doing the online thing as opposed to the one-on-one thing, but there's value and merit in both ways, but just continuously showing up for your people, whether it's baby steps and you're like keeping a consistent schedule and you're not canceling on people last minute. And, you know, you show up in a timely fashion, you keep your appointments like within the time frame that people have set aside for like those little tiny courtesies or the things where you're really trying to make a go of something different. And you need to like put out a blog post with consistency, or you need to reach out to your people in a different way. Maybe you send your clients a video each week, right? Like there's consistencies that can happen both inside and outside of the treatment room that not only serve your clientele and your patients, but it makes your message more polished. You get clearer on your message. As you advance as a therapist, you also maybe who's, I would love to know the answer to this question from those of you who listen, but as a very new therapist, you might feel comfortable with people that are very new and have no idea. And it's like, cool, we're learning together. And you know what, if I totally goof, they're not going to know because they don't know anything. And then you start to get some chops and you get a, you get a client and you're like, Oh shit, that makes me nervous because I know that they're seasoned and they've seen other therapists and I hope that I, my skills stand up and blah, yeah, blah, blah. I need to do it exactly how they do it. Yeah. And then you come to a point and you're like, you crave those people that can banter myofascial language with you and that know it. And that like, you know, you you just continue to encourage each other to grow as a therapist and as a recipient. And like, that's when it can get really so exciting. Yeah. I think that's why I love coaching so much now. Like I get to all day long, talk to other MFR therapists, and I've never had that in my life. 
except for this right. last year, right? Like I've right. never been more connected to us, to our group, to right. our people. And yep. so I think that's why I love it so much. Like I love talking about myofascial release. I could talk about it all day long. We should probably wrap, commonality. Like, wrap this up for today because yeah. <laughs> we could go on forever. I might have to have you on again. I'll totally come on again. This is fun. I really enjoy bantering about MFR. I really do also enjoy bantering about business. It's been one piece, right? Like you can be an excellent clinician and an excellent practitioner and have like zero business skills and ah, right? Like you need that. There's still something that just doesn't drive no matter how good you are if you don't tend to the business part, which is what Heather is so graciously doing here. And when I first started talking with Heather, I was like, oh my God, we totally geek out about the same, like the business aspect of things. And that is super, super fun for me because not many people get off on like, oh my God, I've been doing weekly content and I'm using Kajabi and blah, 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 you know, and just Uh, talking about, and I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, what's so fun about like being able to talk to other therapists and like get them to geek out on that stuff too, because it doesn't have to be hard or overwhelming or take much of their time at all. If they have the right systems, systems in place. place. Yep. So yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so fun to talk to you. I I want to come back. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody look in the show notes, there will be contact information. Do you have a website where people can go to look at your. Yes. So. I'm just going to say that as things progress in my online endeavors here, my website is kind of a a garden in progress, but you can visit it still. It's stillpointmfr.com, all one word, stillpointmfr.com. And um, there is plenty for you to look at as far as resources You'll see remnants of the way things used to be, and you'll see, you know, just the new and up and coming, exciting things that I'm offering right now. And it's a little bit of a work in progress, but if there are offers out there or how to find me on Facebook or Instagram, Spotify playlists for music that will encourage you to get down onto the mat and spend some time. So still point MFR. I have a Facebook group. Should I say that? Sure, yeah. How can people join? So it's a private Facebook group. It's called Fascial Focus Community. So just hop over onto Facebook and there's a bunch of myofascial self-care videos. I'd love for you to come and check it out. Oh, fun. All right, everybody go over to Facebook and get in her group. All right, Heather. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Or actually, I'll talk to you next week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.